Thank you, Jess. Uh, I don't know about a very special sermon, but yes, I am uh, glad to be here. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, my name is Daniel, and I'm the college director here. And if you're new or if this is your first time here, um, I'm so encouraged uh, that, you know, as things start to open up, we're still having newcomers here. So glad to be here with all of you. And I'm looking forward to this time that we have together. And yeah, as Jess mentioned, uh, last week, we finally finished our series on Genesis. We started it at the beginning of the year. And after five long months, we're done. And next week, we're going to be starting a new series for the month of June as we gather in person at Parks. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, I was actually hoping that I would have a time sometime soon to preach in person rather than, you know, in front of a camera or through Zoom. But uh, hopefully the next time um, I'll be I'll be preaching with you all in the flesh. Um, but yeah. I, I think today on this Memorial Day weekend, uh, I'm going to take a short detour uh, between our sermon series and speak on a topic that I think is relevant for many of us, especially because it is Memorial Day. Um, and I, that topic is rest. Uh, I don't know where you all are at in terms of rest, uh, but I'm willing to bet and I myself, uh, I'm not getting much of it. <laughs> not too much of it these days. Whether you're a college student, um, finals are coming up, right? End of the school year is coming up, or you're a working professional, you're just trying to keep up with deadlines, putting in hours at the office or from home, or if you're a parent, just dealing with your rugrats, just running all over the place. I'm willing to bet that rest is something that is in the front of our minds, whatever life stage that we're at. And the, the busyness of life and the stress that comes with the pandemic, I think just heightens our need and our desire for rest. Um, but I think if we, you know, take a take a deep, um, just a pause, we see that rest, it, it almost seems like an impossible goal. There's so many things in life that distract us that seem uh, that we always have something to do. So today I'm going to be looking at a passage that I hope will help us to understand what true rest is and that it's actually possible for each and every one of us. Uh, so the passage that we're going to be looking at is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. So if you turn there in your Bibles or in your apps, um, this is a famous passage, I think, for uh, some of us, maybe most of us. Um, but yeah, as we take a couple more moments to turn there, um, we'll, we'll get reading with the, we'll get the reading of God's word in. Oh, my goodness. Um, so Matthew 11, uh, 11, verse 28 through 30. This is the reading of God's word. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. This is Jesus speaking, and this is a word that even as I read it, ministered deeply to my soul. Um, but keep your Bibles open. We're going to be flipping back and forth to uh, other passages today. Um, but you know, I think some of you might know already, and hopefully this doesn't come as a shock or it's not too heavy to start off, but, uh, you know, at, at the end of December 2020, uh, my parents and myself, uh, we contracted COVID, so I was out for a couple of weeks. Uh, praise the Lord that we were able to recover and that, you know, the symptoms weren't as bad as they could have been, but one thing I'll never forget is the physical fatigue that I felt for those four or five days. I think I, I logged so many hours on my bed right in front of me. Um, but that feeling of, it, it kind of felt like I played turkey bowl and then skipped dinner. And then I woke up for early morning prayer for four or five days. That's the kind of fatigue, the physical fatigue that I felt during that time. And I think 
whether you had COVID or not, uh, hopefully not, uh, I think some of us, all of us can relate at least on some level. Um, I'm especially uh, keeping in mind the parents of our church. Uh, I know that it's been tough for you guys. I, I've visited uh, enough of you to know that, man, COVID just, it's no joke raising children during this time. So some of us, we might be having this physical sort of weariness, uh, while others of us, we might be heavy laden with emotional wounds, right? Pastor Tom last week, he, he shared about just uh, our emotions and the effect and, and the need for us to deal with them healthily. You might have broken relationships that need to be reconciled or, or past hurts that need to be revisited. I mean, in the past six months, I've had to grieve the passing of a loved one myself and even a classmate. I'm certain that some of us can relate to this sort of emotional exhaustion, this tiredness that comes um, not just physically, but emotionally as well. You know, for one reason or another, there's a deep sense of fatigue that I think seeks deep down into our bones. We feel tired no matter how much sleep that we get. There's this nagging feeling of exhaustion, no matter how many, you know, mental health days or PTO we take. We never feel rested, even after we, you know, implement the newest self-care routines. I think all these things that we try to find rest in, they're just little bandages for a deep wound that we have that really, quite frankly, after a couple of days, even a couple of hours just fall off. And the bottom line is for all of us here, I think true rest, it seems elusive. We all want it, we all need it, but it just seems like we can't ever get it. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna answer three questions about rest by looking at our passage. So the first question we're gonna answer is what is true rest, right? What kind of rest is Jesus talking about in Matthew 11? And then we're gonna answer how can we get this true rest? How can we get this rest that Jesus is talking about? What do we need to do? And then finally, we're going to examine why can we get true rest? What is the basis? How is it possible that we can get true rest? Why is it available to us, right? So three questions. What is true rest? How can we get this true rest? And why? Why is it that we can get true rest? So we're going to start with the first question. What is true rest? If you look in this passage, Jesus invites all who labor and are heavy laden to come to him. So who's included? Who's included in that kind of in those categories? I would say all of us are. We, we all labor or are heavy laden, right? We can see those who labor as anyone that's working extremely hard. Literally, the language is those that are toiling, that are tired, that are weary from work. And on the other hand, those that are heavy laden are those that are literally burdened, right? With things, the, the weight of things that are outside of our control. So whether we're caught up in our careers or studies or just in a challenging season, we're all sorely in need of rest. We all labor. We are all heavy laden. And we are exactly who Jesus is inviting to get rest this morning. Um, yet when I think about what rest is, I think the answers that our church would have will vary uh, depending on who I ask, right? If I, if I ask a collegian, hey, what does rest look like to you? It probably looks like freedom. It looks like summer break when you don't have to go to class, you don't have to log on to Zoom again, when you have no responsibility, that is what rest seems like. If I ask for a young adult or, or, or a working professional, right, rest probably looks like a vacation to Cabo right now, right? Things are opening up, a vacation, a weekend getaway, especially Memorial Day, you might be tuning in from an Airbnb, I don't know, 
that might look like rest for you. And for parents, like I mentioned, rest probably just looks like good, like a good night's sleep, right? Or, or maybe if you're um, willing to admit it, just some time away from the kids. That's what rest looks like, right? We all have our different idea of what we'll find rest, but we'll soon find out that no matter what we try, those things never fully give us rest. They don't work, right? Parents, that you guys can have a date night with just the two of you guys. You guys will feel great. Then immediately after you come back, your baby wakes up screaming at 4 a.m. Yeah, you're not finding rest there. You might, you might come back from that Memorial Day trip, that weekend away, and then you go right back into work on Monday, just grinding away, putting in, logging in those hours. You might have all the time and freedom in the world this summer if you're collegian. You know, you think, hey, I'm going to watch a, a full show in one day. I'm going to binge Netflix. I'm going to play video games all day. This is what seems like rest. But you go to sleep, your head hits the pillow, and you're out. You're drained. Right? No matter how hard we try, we never feel rested. And, and I think the, the problem is, is because we mislocate the source of our rest. Jesus says in verse 28, I will give you rest. But verse 29, it clarifies what this true rest is. Let's read it again. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. You know, as humans, as human beings, we are both body and soul. And the reason I think our attempts at finding rest fall short is because the soul, it goes down to this deeper level than just the physical or emotional. When Jesus says that he's going to give us rest, he's saying he will comfort, he'll calm, he'll refresh, not our bodies, not our minds, but our souls, the deepest part of who we are. So we're, we're going to find that some sleep, some uh, mental reset will sometimes refresh us, will sometimes appear to give us rest. But Jesus is saying that true rest comes when he causes our souls to be refreshed and to be revived. It's not when we make a vacation plan or take a day off of work, but we find true rest when Jesus restores our souls. You can't have rest without Jesus. And I can't help but think when I read this, uh, I can't help but think of Psalm 23, the famous Psalm, right? That a lot of us had to memorize in our youth. And King David, he writes that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. King David, he's saying that restoration of the soul is something only the Lord, our great shepherd, can provide. And what's interesting about Psalm 23 is in the Hebrew, still waters, it can be translated as waters of rest, literally waters of rest. So even though David, he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he's able to find rest because God, he makes him lie down in green pastures. He leads him beside waters of rest. And ultimately, because God, he restores his soul. All David needs to do and all we need to do today is follow the Lord. And ultimately, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 tells us that this type of rest this type of restoration of the soul is what we'll have for eternity in the future. And I'll read it quickly for us. Hebrews chapter four says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. 
right? We all, if we have been Christians for a while, we hopefully we've heard a sermon or two, a teaching, a seminar on Sabbath and the importance of rest. And we'll know that, hey, in the beginning of creation in Genesis 2, God rested on the seventh day. Uh, let me read Genesis chapter 2 for us, verses 1 to 3. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Seems very repetitive, but I think it's, it's included in the scriptures that rest is part of our design. God, in, in, in his perfect plan of creation, he implemented rest as part of creation on the seventh day. And what Hebrews 4 tells us is that one day when Christ returns, we're going to join God in that perfect Sabbath rest. We're going to see that we see that rest was instituted from the beginning. It's not a luxury, but it's part of our design. And I remember one of the first issues that I had with my first car uh, happened about 3,500 miles after I got it. Um, that, that number is important because um, this oil changes are part of what we need to regularly do. And my car was an older car, so uh, not every 5,000, but every 3,000 miles I had to replace the oil. This is the first car that I was responsible for. Right. And I didn't think much when the check engine light came. You know, I asked my friends like, hey, like, what does this mean? They're like, oh, it's fine. My car does that, too. Foolish. Uh, but one day I was driving on the freeway and then, you know, my car started making weird noises and it just didn't feel right. And then, you know, I did what anyone else would do. I called my dad like, hey, like, dad, like, what's going on with this? He's like, oh, it's probably time for an oil change. Right. You got that done. Right. I was like, oh. No, I thought like, it's okay. I, I didn't really have to do that, right? And, but we all know that every car is designed, the manufacturer has designed a, a car to have the oil change regularly, right? After a certain mileage. But in my foolishness, what I had done was I ignored that design and I thought I could get away with it. Uh, praise God, nothing crazy happened. Uh, but similarly, I think just like in me ignoring the, the accurate manufacturer's design for changing oil caused me headaches. Ignoring God's design for us, his creation design for rest in our lives, it can cause deeper issues in our lives, right? Right now, who knows? You might feel okay. You might be in a good season. But eventually, the words of, of the teacher in Ecclesiastes 2 is, is going to catch up with you, right? Solomon, he writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 23, for all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity, right? The, the work is not just like tiring. It's a vexation. Like, it's really, really annoying. It really gets at the, the core of my being. And even in the night when he's not working, his heart does not rest. This will happen to us uh, eventually, inevitably. And that is why we need to have our souls restored constantly. We need to follow God's design for scheduled soul maintenance. We need true rest, true rest that only comes when we come to Jesus. So we answer the question, what is true rest? True rest is rest for the soul, rest that we are designed for. So next, we're going to look at the second question, not, not only what is true rest, but how can we get this true rest? You know, in verse 28, Jesus, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
seems pretty straightforward, right? We, we have to come to Jesus, and he's the one that gives us rest. Rest is given, not earned. Uh, but he gets a little bit more specific. Let's read verses 29 and 30 again. He says, take my yoke upon you. Don't just come to me, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not only do we have to come to Jesus, not a, we don't just come to him and Jesus you know, gives us a voucher for rest, uh, but Jesus, he tells us that to find true rest for our souls, we have to take his yoke. We have to learn from him, right? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But th these are the things that we have to do. Rest is given, but we have to do something. We have to take his yoke and learn from him. And for all of this to make sense, I have to explain what a yoke is. Although I suspect that, you know, most of us, many of us know from past sermons what a yoke is. So I'm not going to make an egg joke or tell you, you know, the application for today is to get yoked. But a yoke is a wooden frame, right? Back then in those days, it was a wooden frame with two rings that, that farmers use. Uh, praise God for technology and human ingenuity where we don't really need that now. But um, a yoke is a wooden frame that pairs up oxen or other beasts of burden so that together they will be able to plow fields more efficiently, quickly. So they would usually pair a, a, an older, a stronger ox, they would call it the lead ox, with the weaker, younger one. And, you know, they would, they would call it the follower ox. So the, the yoke would, would link up, would pair up a stronger and a weaker ox together. And, okay, like it might seem bizarre or kind of random that Jesus would use his metaphor, but, but there's a reason. There's a reason for this, because at that time, the Jewish audience would have understood the yoke to refer to the yoke of the law, uh, the, the yoke of the law of the Pharisees. Galatians chapter 5.1 describes it as, you know, these laws as a yoke of slavery. Later on in Matthew 23 verse 4, Jesus uses similar language to talk about Pharisees. He says they tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear, and, he, and they lay them on people's shoulders. You know, for their original audience, they would have understand that Jesus was referring to Basically, the ridiculous hundreds of laws that the Pharisees came up with that dictated every decision, every, every thought, every word of their lives. And it's easy for us to, to make modern day parallels. You know, there are different things that we are yoked to that are heavy. And at the same time, the rabbis, the, the religious teachers of the day back then, they also had a metaphorical yoke. Right. Yoke what was a term was like an idiom for a rabbi, a teacher's way of interpretation, of interpreting the Torah and, and how to live life. It was a set of rules. So there was a double meaning going on here when Jesus, who, you know, everyone else considered a rabbi as well. When Jesus says to tell us to take his easy yoke, there's two things that he's saying. Implicitly, he's saying, take off our heavy yokes, take off. Uh, your career, your family, your, your physical appearance, your own freedom even. He's saying implicitly take those things off that you're already yoked to, that will never bring you rest. And explicitly, it's to put on Jesus's yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Uh, he's saying take my teaching, my way of life. Jesus is telling us to follow him, to observe him, to take up his teachings and to learn from him. 
he's basically telling them to find true rest. You have to be my disciple. Or as Dallas Willard says it, as apprentices. This is the only way to find true rest. It's to be apprentices to Jesus. Apprenticeship to Jesus is the only way that we can find true rest. Uh, you know, uh, one hobby that I picked up over quarantine, as uh, some of you might know, is, is running. Uh, as I got more and more into it, I just realized how terrible I was at it. Uh, if you know me, if you've ever seen, this feels weird to say, but if you've ever seen my legs, you'll know that I was not made for distance running. I was probably made for, you know, like a football or something else. But I realized something happened where I got more and more into running and I realized my form was off. Um, the, the, the way I breathed was off, you know, early on my, my traps and my bag there, I would shrug them and it would just be really bad for me. Right. But as I got more and more hooked on running, um, I wanted to get better at it. I wanted to get uh, more efficient. So, uh, what did I do? I, 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 con I consulted a friend that had been running for years and years who was more experienced. Um, he pointed out, Hey, Shim, you're overstriding. Your, your, your length, your stride length is way too long. Your shoes, you shouldn't be running in those. What are you doing, man? Hey, stop shrugging your shoulders. Just breathe a little bit, lower them. You know, you pump your arms. Most, right, most importantly, he said, hey, you need to take rest days too. Like you're running like every day. That's not good for you. You have to rest. And in a way, what was happening was uh, to my peer, to my friend, I was becoming his apprentice. I was beginning this apprenticeship of running. I was following his running lifestyle and metaphorically putting on his yoke. And John Mark Comer, he's an author, he's a, a pastor. He describes apprenticeship like this. He says, the whole point of apprenticeship is to model all of your life after Jesus. And in doing so, to recover your soul, to have the warped part of you put back into shape, to experience healing in the deepest parts of your being. Man, what a quote, right? To, to recover your soul, that, that the warped parts of you would be put back into shape. That is what inter apprenticeship is, right? And me, in my uh, running apprenticeship, I, I modeled my running life after my friends, right? He fixed my form. He, he made me see the value of rest and hydration. And he helped me to increase my mileage, but there probably will come a day when my apprenticeship runs out, right? He won't have any more tips or tricks for running, uh, but our apprenticeship to Christ is a lifelong one, right? He'll always, and, and he gives us even infinitely greater benefits. And the question I have for us today is who or what are you an apprentice of, right? What are you yoked to? What, what drives you and directs all your decision-making? Whatever it is, if it's not Jesus, you're going to soon find that it doesn't bring you satisfaction. It doesn't bring you fulfillment, much less rest, right? Whatever you're yoked to, whatever you place your hopes and dreams is, the, the, the burden will still feel heavy. It's going to feel like the yoke of the law. You're going to burn out. You're not going to find rest. The true rest Recovery of the soul, as John Mark Homer says, it comes through the learning from Jesus. Only by adopting his life, his yoke, only by doing those things can we undo our misconceptions about him, how God relates to us. When we spend more time learning for him, 
we, we see that Jesus's yoke really is easy. It doesn't cause any discomfort. We're going to see that Jesus's burden really is light, right? And that term even, it's, it seems like a paradox because a burden uh, by its very definition, it's heavy. It's, when something burdens you, it's never light. But first John chapter five, verse three says that for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, right? The more time that we're yoked to Jesus, the more time we spend as apprentices, the more we find out that his teaching really isn't burdensome. His teaching is actually his way of loving us, right? The, wor- the more time that we spend in word and in prayer, the more we realize that the burden is light because Jesus is the lead ox. We're not leading anything. Jesus is the one leading us and all of us we're just following him. We're the follower oxen, right? So we see that true rest is rest for your souls. And that the way that we get this true rest is by putting on Jesus's yoke. It's to learn from him and become his apprentices and imitate his lifestyle. So we'll move on to our final question. Why can we get true rest, right? We know how, but what is the basis? How is it that we are even uh, able to get this rest? And to to answer this question, we have to consider what Jesus says in verse 29, when he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Um, There's a great book out there. uh, Its title is Gentle and Lowly. It's by Dane Ortland, and I really recommend everyone here, if you have time, it's it's a fantastic book that really ministered to my soul and helped me to kind of see this passage, this famous passage in a in a new light. And, you know, in the past, when I read these, these words, when I read this passage, I didn't really think too much about what gentle and lowly meant. Uh, but what Dane Ortland says is, this is the only passage, this is the only sentence in the Bible where Jesus describes his heart. Uh, the Greek, the cardia, right, is the very essence of a person, the deepest core part of a person. And Jesus, he doesn't say, he, I am mighty and powerful. He doesn't say he is uh, greater than all. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. If there are two descriptions that we have for Jesus, it should be gentle and lowly. In Matthew eleven twenty nine is a description of who Jesus is at his very core. So we'll take a closer look really quickly at both these terms. First, gentle, the word used for gentle, the meaning conveyed is of being meek and humble, right? And Orland says, Jesus, he's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. What Jesus is saying is, I'm not harsh. I'm not impatient. I don't demand that you have things put together before you come to me. And what I find very interesting is that yokes, these are wooden objects Um, The carpenter that made them had to custom fit each yoke for each, you know, oxen to to account for how big it was, how small it was, the the shape of their necks. And I think Jesus, in the same way, the carpenter from Nazareth, he shows his gentleness by custom fitting our yoke to him, depending on what we need. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what we struggle with, what we are tempted with. He knows exactly what we struggle with, and he custom fits his yoke for each and every single one of us, and he meets us where we are. Jesus doesn't say, I I am imposing my will upon you, but he says, I am gentle 
and lowly, and he instead invites us simply to come to him. He has a yoke made for us. Uh, he's not just gentle, but he's lowly. The meaning conveyed by lowly is that he isn't, again, this socially impressive person. He isn't this high-ranking general with a lot of clout. He's not pretentious. The, the, the way we can understand lowly when, it, when Jesus describes his heart as lowly is that he's the most approachable person ever. Again, you don't need to fix yourself up before you come to him. All you simply need to do is just, just come, right? His, his rest isn't a transaction, but a gift that he gladly gives. He's approachable. He is lowly in heart. Uh, you, you know, um, as I mentioned, I got into running and one thing I wanted to do was like, okay, I realized the shoes I was running in, um, they didn't fit me well. So I, I went to a running shoe store and, and they had this thing where um, they custom fit you right? They make you run on like this treadmill. They analyze my gait. They take a look at my feet. And uh, I always knew I had flat feet. I have really flat and wide feet. Um, and that's apparently really bad for running. So that explains, you know, why, why it's so hard for me. Uh, but they explained that, hey, this type of shoe, um, this is what you need. Hey, maybe you should think about getting orthotics, right? The custom insoles for you. And I feel really bad because the, the girl that uh, helped me out, she was really nice. Um, but uh, I realized that this is what Jesus does, right? He, he sees our imperfections, our flaws. He analyzes, hey, what is the sin that besets us, besets you and me? And he custom fits this yoke, right? And he, again, his gift isn't a transaction where, hey, maybe the girl that helped me out, she was just being nice because she wants to sell shoes to me, but there is no ulterior motive for Jesus. It is because he's truly gentle and truly lowly that he is able to come to us and offer us rest. And to really get a fully ordered picture of why this is so important, we need to read verses 25 to 27 right before our passage. Uh, let me read it for us. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is why we're able to get true rest. Not, he's gentle and lowly, and we see Jesus' gentleness in the way that he executes the Father's will. Right? Jesus, the Son of God, he chooses to lower himself and makes himself accessible to sinful people such as ourselves. He chooses to reveal the mystery of the gospel to us. He doesn't require wisdom and understanding, but in a way that's understandable to even little children. Jesus, he invites us to take on the, the light burden of one wooden object, his yoke. But he himself, he takes on the burden of another wooden object, the cross. You know, on it, his gentleness and lowliness were on full display as he bore the heavy, heavy weight of sin by himself. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of our religion. Rather than leaving us to bear the weight of sin by ourselves, God in his love and mercy sent down his son, who in his tenderness, his, his lowliness, his gentleness, his humility, assumed the lowly form of a man to take our rightful place so that we can find rest in him. We no longer have to strive and toil 
or rather we can enjoy an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Our heavenly father accommodates us even when we presume that we know what we need, like, like, like those that are wise and understanding, when in reality, we are little children. Our, our father sees that and he still accommodates us, still offers us rest. Uh, Ray Orland, this isn't the, the author of the book, but his dad actually, Ray Orland says that I will give you rest is the gospel in five simple short words. I will give you rest. That is the gospel. And the gospel is for those who realize their helplessness, right? It's for all of us as little children that, that need the rest for our souls that comes from our father. We can't possibly do anything to, to prove ourselves or to, or to earn rest. We simply have to come to Jesus with all of our burdens, all of our shame, all our anxiety and guilt. And he promises to be the one that shoulders them. Right, God, Jesus, he's the one leading. His yoke is easy. It causes no discomfort. His burden really is light. And I'll admit that this year has been really tough for me to really believe this. A lot of times I've, I've come to see that I've tried to figure things out by myself. Um, as COVID just dragged on and on, um, I realized for some reason, no matter how much sleep I got, no matter how much exercise I restarted again, there was this deep weariness in my soul. And, and even in, in preparing this sermon and studying the text, I realized it's because I had been neglecting my soul. It's because I had been trying to, like the, the wise and those that have understanding tried to do, I try to figure it out by myself. I, I thought getting exercise, I thought um, reconnecting with old friends, I thought doing church even would be what gives me rest but I had actually been neglecting uh, my soul maintenance. And I think, I would venture to think that all of us here in some way or another, we feel the same way. That we feel this deep, uh, deep sense of unease and, and tiredness and we can't find an explanation for it. But hopefully after we see, after we went through this passage, we can see that Jesus, he understands. And he's gentle and lowly in heart that he invites us to come to him and to find rest. I think, you know, I could give uh, really practical applications of, hey, this is how you find rest. You need to, you need to practice the Sabbath. You need to practice th this and this spiritual discipline. But I think at the heart of it, we just need to come and be apprentices of Jesus. We really have to not just want the benefits of being a following a teacher like him, but we really have to imitate his lifestyle. And it doesn't get any simpler than that. We just have to come to him, take upon his teaching, his way of life. And that is how we're going to find rest. So today, Jesus invites us to come to him, whether it's for the first time or the thousandth, millionth time. He invites us to come to him to find rest for your souls. Rest that isn't temporary, but that you can experience down to the bone if you simply accept his invitation to a lifelong apprenticeship. I know that rest is something that we all desperately need, that we desperately want. So let's go to him, let's come to him, whether we have the energy to run to him or barely have the strength to even just crawl over to him, whatever it is that we need to do, let's come to Jesus. He is gentle and lowly and he's ready to give us the rest that we need. So let's pray.